0: Welcome back to Sports Crutch with D Crom, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, David Cromolo. And one of the most interesting dichotomies between fantasy football drafts and the actual NFL draft involves the quarterback position. In the NFL draft, if teams want to draft a bona fide starting franchise quarterback, not only are they highly unlikely to find one outside the first round, they're likely to find one outside the top 10 picks as well. On the flip side, when it comes to your fantasy draft, You can wait as long as possible to draft a legitimate starter at quarterback, and in no year does that sentiment ring truer in fantasy than this year. In most mock drafts I've done, I've been waiting until rounds 9 or 10 to draft a quarterback, and you'll be absolutely giddy when you see how many good signal callers are still available at that juncture of your draft. Thus, the focus of the third and final edition of our 2018 Fantasy Deep Dive series will be quarterbacks that can be absolute bargains for your fantasy team on draft day. And to help us break down those quarterbacks at a lot more QB-centric fantasy topics, is there any guest more appropriate than my man Mark Schofield? Nobody, and I mean nobody outside the NFL, knows more about quarterbacks than Mark, whose work you can find at InsideThePylon.com, his main place of residence, as well as Pro Football Weekly, The Score... Matt Wolman, RSP, and many other places that he contributes to. It's a pleasure to have you back on the program, Mark. How you doing,
1: David? I'm doing so great this afternoon. Thank you so much for having me on. It's a blast to be back with you, and excited to talk about, like you said, it's a very fascinating year for you know looking at the quarterback position in terms of fantasy drafts and fantasy value.
0: Oh, absolutely, man. Uh, do you have any fantasy drafts coming up yourself? Um, I'm in the middle of a couple right
1: now. I'm actually in the middle of a college football dynasty startup right now, which is both regular, uh, you know, offense and IDP as well. And that's been pretty intense. I got to say people are getting pretty deep and into the weeds right now. And so that's been fun. I've got uh, my big um, auction draft coming up in a week. And then my other big one that's actually we do it the night of the opening game, which is always kind of fun.
0: Oh, that is interesting. Yeah, I myself have uh, three drafts uh, in a week. The three days before the season starts, I got one on Monday, one on Tuesday, and one on Wednesday, the day before uh, the Falcons and Eagles open the regular season. So both busy times in fantasy for both you and myself. And let's start out with a quarterback that is going a lot later than he's used to be going in recent years, and that is Drew Brees. Brees' ADP is the lowest it's been in a decade. Last season, thanks to arguably the NFL's most lethal run game, Drew Brees wasn't forced to throw as much as he had in the past, and he only posted 23 touchdown passes as a result. However, given the fact the Saints have an infinitely tougher schedule in 2018, the 6th hardest in the league according to notable football numbers analyst Warren Sharp, Drew Brees is expected to throw the ball more, making him a prime candidate for positive touchdown regression. How reasonable is it to expect Drew Brees to throw for 30 or more touchdowns this season and in which round would you consider taking Drew Brees at the earliest?
1: I mean, it's it's a fascinating thing to study with, with with Breeze's ADP right now because I think a lot of people are looking at the Ingram suspension, you know, and they're realizing that Breeze is gonna put the ball up a little bit more than he did last year. Like you said, David, this was an offense that featured that two running back tandem of Alvin Kamara, of Mark Ingram. They ran the ball a lot more. They took a lot off of Breeze's shoulders. So it wasn't the Drew Breeze we've known and grown accustomed to. But like you said, Ingram's gone for those first four games. They've got a tougher schedule, so they're going to be putting the ball up more. They're not going to be salted away games like, for example, that Buffalo blowout they had last year. And so I think it's reasonable to expect Brees to return to more of the form we're accustomed to. I mean, you know, looking at his ADP right now, I'm looking at a fantasy football calculator and it's at 68th overall. You know, usually you're seeing him come off the board in the sixth round. I would you know, if he's there in the fifth round and you haven't gone quarterback yet. I'd consider him there. I mean, I think when you consider everything that's going on in New Orleans, you consider the growth and the emergence of a guy like Michael Thomas, who's becoming, you know, one of the best, you know, receivers in the NFC, you know, if not the NFL overall, you look at, you know, Ted and what he can do, you know, help take the top off of some defenses. You look at some of the additions they've made. I, I think Brees is due for a big year.
0: Oh, I most completely agree, and two of those additions that you're probably referring to are that of Cam Meredith, who they absolutely stole in Restricted Free Agency. I'm still, as a Bears fan, uh, disappointed that they let Cam Meredith go without anything in return, but I... But getting Anthony Miller in the draft might uh, overcompensate for that, and the Saints' uh, third-round draft pick TreQuan Smith, both of whom um, yeah. could expect to play pretty decent roles this year and make that pass offense even more lethal than it was uh, a season ago.
1: Yeah, I think those are two great points, David. You know, like you said, getting you know getting Meredith, I think, was a nice get for them. You know, I'm, I'm sorry that your bears could because we to let him go. But Anthony Miller is a nice consolation prize, I think. But Twaquan Smith, man, those are two really good additions. And when you get Smith in, you're the wide receiver out of Central Florida who can do some nice things for them. Those are two nice pieces to have in addition to the guys we already mentioned. And so, yeah, this should be an offense that puts up points. I wouldn't be surprised to see Breeze throwing it all over the yard. And, you know, given that schedule, I, I think he's going to put up some big numbers.
0: Me as well, and two other big positive touchdown regression candidates are Matt Ryan and Marcus Mariota, if you want to draft somebody later than Breeze. Matty Ice is entering year two in Steve Sarkeesian's offensive system, and the Falcons added another weapon to their high-powered attack in Calvin Ridley. And Mariota, on the other hand, he gets a fresh start under new Titans offensive coordinator Matt LaFleur. He is a Kyle Shanahan disciple who was the Falcons quarterback's coach in 2016 when Matt Ryan won MVP, and he was the Rams offensive coordinator last season when Jared Goff experienced his massive sophomore leap. Which of those two quarterbacks are you higher on this season from a fantasy perspective, and why?
1: For, that's a really brilliant question, David. I really like the way you frame that because I like both of those guys this year for, from a fantasy perspective. But – You know, you could make the case for either. You could make the case for Matt Ryan because when you look at some of the interceptions he threw last year, a lot of these were well-placed balls that were either deflections or drops or tips or something like that. So it's hard to really put a lot of it on his shoulders. They add in Calvert-Ridley. That gives them a nice three-receiver punch of Julio Jones, Mohamed Sanu, and now Calvert-Ridley. That's, you know, when you go 11 personnel, three wide receivers, that's a nice trio to have. But I'll go with Marcus Mariota here for a couple of reasons. One, I look at Mariota's season last year and I think – schematically he was held back because of some of the stuff they were doing on offense when you look at a lot of their route concepts there wasn't a lot of excitement and variation to them so i think that was holding him back he had a lower body injury which i think was also holding him back they've been working on mechanics with him so we're seeing some improvement there this year plus with you know a healthy hamstring it's allowing him to drive into throws but i also look at the addition you know of matt lafleur you know, in a Shanahan disciple, as you pointed out, but also we spent last year under, you know, Sean McVay out with the Rams. And one of the things that Sean McVay does so well, David, is use of space and the space and concepts in that Rams offense. They attack defenses from sideline to sideline, from line of scrimmage and deep. They really stretch you out to all levels of the field. And that was something that was really missing in this Titans offense last year. So I think the schematics will be better for Mariota. And then you look at some of the pieces they have around him. Taewon Taylor, I think, is a nice piece for them. Who can do some stuff You know In the short windows They got Corey Davis Who I think is in due For a big type season Obviously you look at Delaney Walker Juno Smith They can do a lot of stuff With 12 personnel And let's not forget The addition of Dion Lewis Who I think Can do so much for them Both as a receiver Out of the backfield And let's not forget New England used him between the tackles a ton, so you're going to do some play action stuff with him. You're going to do some run game stuff with him. I think there are so many weapons at Lafleur's disposal. I think Mariota, out of these two guys, who I think are both going to have a good year, but I'll go Mariota here because you can probably get him a little bit later. You're seeing, you know, an ADP on Ryan in the tenth round, Mariota in the twelfth. I mean, if you're looking at those two places, you could wait and get Marcus Mariota in the twelfth round. That's not too shabby.
0: Oh, absolutely. Very good point there, and I definitely cannot wait to watch Marcus Mariota and that Titans offense this weekend and look for some fantasy clues, as I alluded to in one of my earlier episodes this week. That's one of the top uh, preseason dress rehearsal games I am uh, watching this weekend to see, uh, that especially that Derrick henry Dion Lewis split. If Dion Lewis gets a goal line carry, bump him up the boards in standard leagues.
1: Oh, definitely. and you know, like I said, Lewis, he gets pigeonholed as this, like, You know, flex back, this, you know, guy that's going to be used in the passing game, scat back type. But, you know, when you watch him play, you know, I do Locked on Patriots, Locked on Patriots podcast, you know, running between the tackles. You talk to Patriots beat reporters. I had Nora Princiati from the Boston Globe on last season. She did a piece on Deion Lewis basically saying that he's small, but he's not weak. He's a strong guy, a lot stronger than his size gives away. Sure, we all laugh at the picture of him standing next to Derrick Henry. And obviously, Derrick Henry is a massive, massive human being. But Lewis, pound for pound, is a strong runner between the tackles. So would it surprise me at all to see them go, you know, th- three wide, even four wide in the red zone with Lewis in the game and then give him carries up the middle? That wouldn't surprise me at all. You could see him steal some touchdowns in the red zone that way.
0: Oh, I completely agree, Mark. Dion Lewis will siphon off some red zone touches in that seat scheme this year. And moving back to quarterbacks here, two of whom that might be overvalued are Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson. Last season, Russell Wilson accounted for 37 of the Seahawks' 38 offensive touchdowns, and Deshaun Watson had a jaw-dropping touchdown rate of 9.3%. This season, Russell Wilson's new offensive coordinator will be Brian Schottenheimer, who runs a run first scheme, and of the nine NFL offenses he's coordinated, just one of them finished 16 or higher in total offense, while seven finished 20 or worse. Also, the Seahawks lost Jimmy Graham and Paul Richardson in free agency, le- leaving some major holes in that passing attack. And as far as Deshaun Watson is concerned, that 9.3 touchdown rate is virtually certain to drop, and I believe, uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, the best, uh, highest touchdown rate uh, in NFL history belongs to Aaron Rodgers at like 5.5 percent. So that's certainly coming down. And there are also concerns that defensive coordinators will figure him out, causing him to go through some sophomore growing pains, especially uh, when you add arguably the Texans lead-worst offensive line into that picture. And is Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson more likely to experience a minimal drop-off from last season? You know, I, I think
1: statistically speaking, it'd be hard for Watson to duplicate what he did last year and you look at how he came out in in that sort of eight game stretch playing like gamebusters, playing like a surefire rookie of the year type candidate you know you look at some of the throws he was making some of the numbers he was putting up you know Bill O'Brien did a great job doing some stuff schematically where they would use a lot of eye candy a lot of backfield motion and shifted and you know play fakes in the backfield but then run some basic sort of simple route concepts like for example they hit for two touchdowns or two big plays against Seattle I think the second it was wasn't a touchdown or the first wasn't a touchdown on the Yankee concept which is just a max protection two receiver, you know, deep post route and then a dig route sort of underneath it. It's a simple route concept because of the, some of the stuff they were doing in the backfield. It made it some easy throws for Watson teams. Like you said, Dave, they're going to figure that stuff out. So there's that there's, you know, the injury history with him. So you have to be wary about that a little bit. There's the fact that look, For all the good stuff he was doing, there were still some mistakes that he was making. He was lazy at times with his eyes. He would stare down route concepts. He had some throws, for example, his first start against the Bengals that Thursday night game. He had a throw on a slant route that should have been a pick six It was dropped. Things like that, you got to see some sort of regression from him. And when you're looking at the fact that, again... a uh, fantasy football calculator right now. Aaron Rodgers is your QB one in terms of ADP. Deshaun Watson is QB two. I'm not sure that he's worth that kind of you know high pick given the regression that is likely. Now, with respect to Wilson, there's a lot of holes on that offense. You do wonder where they're going to get production from at the receiver spots, at the tight end spot. You know, They might be in a situation where they're going to be playing from behind at times. They might be throwing the ball a lot. Wilson might be running all over the place. So I I think in terms of a regression, in terms of a drop-off, I'm much more likely to look at Deshaun Watson. Although I love Deshaun Watson. Everybody knows out there how much I loved this kid when he was coming out. From a fantasy perspective, you've got to be wary about the risk associated with taking him as the second quarterback off the ball.
0: Oh, I completely agree. And that's arguably the biggest reason why I don't have Watson on my board because I don't like to go quarterback that early usually. And uh, I I think Tom Brady is a much better lock for second quarterback than Deshaun Watson is. And moving on to this year's prize free agent edition, Kirk Cousins. And in my opinion, he couldn't have landed in a better place than with the Vikings. And most signs point to a career year for him in Minnesota because he'll be playing indoors regularly, He'll be surrounded by arguably the best offensive weapons he's ever had in his career, and Stefan Diggs, Adam Thielen, Kyle Rudolph, and Dalvin Cook, and Latavius Murray, and uh, don't uh, count on undrafted free agent Mike Boone and Rock Thomas, that could be a three- to four-headed attack in that backfield, and he'll also have a defense that will likely give him more short fields to work with. And above all, he'll be coordinated by John Filippo, an acclaimed quarterback guru whose masterful work developing Carson Wentz as Eagles quarterbacks coach those last two seasons cannot be ignored. But on the flip side, the Vikings, as I kind of alluded to, they still want to be a run-oriented offense, and their offensive line isn't a good pass-blocking unit. And and to add to that, they just lost starting left guard Nick Easton for the season, and Pat Elfline is still yet to be activated from the PUP list. And considering all those factors, is a career high in touchdown passes still realistic for Kirk Cousins in 2018?
1: I think it's realistic, and the thing to remember with Cousins is this is going to be a talented, talented defense. So you might see a lot of situations where they get some short fields as an offense. They get some, you know, quick turnovers where they're facing, you know, they're near the red zone or things like that, where they can put together some easy, quick drives and put points on the board. So yeah, they might be more of a run-first type of offense, but they're going to be able to have a number of opportunities for Cousins to put touchdowns on the board. You know, what? and he's like you said, David, he's going to have a lot of more reliable weapons around around him that he did last year. You watched Kirk Cousins last year, that season with Washington. He was let down at times by Jamison Crowder, by Josh Dawson. He couldn't get, you know, Reed on the field to stay healthy. Now you've got, you know, one of the better one-two tams of wide receiver in the league in Diggs and Thielen. you got a safe, secure tight end in Kyle Rudolph that could get you some stuff over the middle. you bring a Dalvin Cook back. So even though they have some, some concerns about the guys up front, I think this is going to be a solid year for Kirk Cousins. And another thing to remember, when you're looking at ADP right now, there are two quarterbacks that are coming off the board and say, that. The eighth round right now one is Kirk Cousins at that 8.10 spot the other is Andrew Luck at 8.6 and if you're going to take a quarterback in the eighth round out of those two guys definitely go with Kirk Cousins over Andrew Luck while Andrew Luck is a very talented quarterback he's coming off that shoulder injury still get back into form and when you're looking at the bulk of the rosters around them I'd much rather bet on Kirk Cousins and what Minnesota has than Andrew Luck his health injury his health history and what Indianapolis has for him to throw to
0: Oh, I completely agree. And another interesting quarterback to target in those later rounds is Jimmy Garoppolo, and he has shown a lot of promise in his seven career starts and is in a fantastic innovative system with Kyle Shanahan, who we mentioned earlier. However, as I alluded to talking about Deshaun Watson earlier, teams tend to start figuring out a quarterback's tendencies after seven or eight games. And in an interview a few days ago on, I believe, a radio station in the San Francisco area, Tony Romo reportedly said that there is a very high up Patriot source that told him, that he believes that defenses will completely figure out Garoppolo this season. And knowing how smart the Patriots are at evaluating quarterbacks, does that, that comment personally gives me a bit of pause on drafting Garoppolo. Do you think Garoppolo will get exposed this season and be unable to recover? Or do you trust Kyle Shanahan to help take Garoppolo to that next level amidst some inevitable growing pains? I
1: lean towards the latter of those two, David, and part of it, a, a big deal of it is Kyle Shanahan and the influence he has from a schematic standpoint, which is something that you always got to consider when you're looking at quarterbacks, you know, what kind of offense they're running, what kind of offensive coordinator they're, you know, playing for, and we've talked a lot about that already with teams that want to be run first versus pass first and pass heavy. When you look at Shanahan, obviously he was the mastermind behind that 2016 season that Matt Ryan had that we sort of started talking about at the earlier part of this show, and when you look at how how Shanahan does things what's really been fascinating to study was the reliance that he has also sort of two running back you know, personnel packages in the passing game. When you look at 21 personnel, which is your standard old school, two running backs, a running back and a fullback, tight end, two wide receivers. They ran that more than anybody last year, or almost more than anybody. But when Garoppolo came into the league, they ran it more than anybody, period, hands down. They ran it like 41% of the time. And when they ran 21 personnel, they ran the ball more than anybody. So when you're a defense and you see them come out in 21 personnel, you would obviously think it run, which is why they also threw it a ton out of 21 personnel. They would have... Some play action stuff. They used the fullback Kyle Jusik in the past game as well. And so they did a ton of self-schematically to help Jimmy Garoppolo, give him some easy reads, some easy throws, some defined stuff that he can do. And teams might start to figure that out, but Shanahan's going to have a counter for that. They can go more wide. They've got some weapons that they've added for you know Jimmy Garoppolo. So while teams might start to catch up with him, Shanahan will a have an answer, and the other side to this is there are some that you can't have an answer for as a defense and one of those things or a couple of those things are a quick release from a quarterback, the ability to maneuver and move around with your footwork, and the ability to have a you know the toughness to hand in the pocket against pressure and deliver throws under duress and those are traits that Garoppolo has as a quarterback so even if the teams can kind of figure some stuff out, Shanahan should have an answer, but you obviously always you don't always have an answer for that quick release, that pocket mobility, and the ability to hand in there from a quarterback and make tough throws. So I think while you might see a bit of a stumble here and there from Garoppolo, I still think he's going to have a solid year.
0: Oh, I completely agree. And especially uh not just the scheme, but uh he Kyle Shanahan, the in the 49ers have a young receiving core that uh Gets open religiously, whether it's via scheme or tremendous route running. So Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have open targets on every play, and uh, that's why you should look for constant um, production from Jimmy Garoppolo despite all those growing pains. And we have a question that came into us yesterday from at J A Hawkins eighty seven on Twitter, and it concerns a quarterback that both you and I and hopefully everybody else is so excited and and seething to watch this year, and that is Pat Mahomes. And Concerning Mahomes, the question is, what round is too early to draft him, and in which round will be a steal, and where do you think he'll rank among quarterbacks in total fantasy points at the end of the season?
1: Yeah, it's a fascinating question. I've been giving this one a lot of thoughts since we saw it on Twitter. Ed, you know, you look at right now, his ADP has him going off the board in the 11th round. And I think the important thing to sort of remember with Mahomes is you've got to think about scoring, you've got to think about format because. You know, depending on your format, you might want to shy away from him, or you might be willing to go with him a little bit earlier. For example, the the Scott Fish Bowl, which I was a part of, always loved being a part of the Scott Fish Bowl. It's a fantastic, fantastic you know event. And this year, in the in that scoring format, you get you know minus four points for an interception and an additional minus two for a pick six. So you look at a pick six as being minus six points for a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes. I shied away from him in that format because he's going to make mistakes. He's going to throw interceptions. He's that gunslinger type that isn't afraid to challenge windows that will scare mere mortals at the quarterback position. And so if you're in a league that really has a penalty in place for interceptions, you know, above and beyond the usual PPR minus one, you might want to shy away from Patrick Mahomes. But if you're in a pure PPR, that minus one for interceptions, that if it's not that big of a deal – You know, I'd get him in the you know, the ninth round or so, you know, maybe two rounds ahead of his ADP right now, because they're going to put up numbers. They are going to be aggressive, they are going to challenge teams downfield, and Mahomes is going to throw all over the place. And so you're going to get a ton of production out of him. I think he's gonna far outplay You know, his ADP right now in most formats, but just be wary of that draft format because if it is a league that penalizes interceptions, he's going to make a lot of mistakes and then, you know, wait on him in the 12th, 13th, 14th round. You might be a little bit better, safer picking him then.
0: Oh, very, very good point. And I wanted to talk to you about that gunslinger mentality that Mahomes had because as he's shown us this preseason, he has mouthwatering upside. And I think uh, given the hard worker he is and the quick learner he is, he's eventually going to reach that ceiling. But there's going to be growing pains this year, and he's going to make a lot of mistakes. And one of my leagues, uh, we lose eight points for a pick six, minus six for the touchdown and minus two for the interception. But in another league where you lose two for an interception, uh, maybe it's better to draft him there but a bigger question i have about mahomes is are you willing to draft him as a starter or more as the backup to your starter in fantasy
1: i'm willing to draft him as a starter in most formats because i think he's going to give you you know consistent production week in and week out and i think you know we we've seen Sort of the evolution of Andy Reid as an offensive play caller and an offensive mind over the past couple of years. We all sort of associate Andy Reid with that pure West Coast, somewhat conservative, quick throws, short throws. Yeah, you're going to be throwing it a lot, but you're not really pushing it downfield. He's taken on a different role over the past couple of seasons. When you see how they constructed their roster, Tyreek Hill gives them game-changing vertical-type ability downfield. You get some of that with Travis Kelsey. Now they bring in Sammy Watkins. And so this is going to be an offense that it's not going to look like your dad's Andy Reid offense. This is going to be a vertical Andy Reid offense. And Patrick Mahomes is a the guy they eyed a year ago. He was going to be the guy to run this new offense, this more vertical Andy Reid West Coast type offense, West Coast on steroids, I've called it before. And so, you know, I'm drafting him to be a starter any chance I get, unless, like you said, I mean, that league you pointed out where you get, you know, minus eight, I think you said, for interceptions, then I'd look to him to be more of a backup type. But standard PPR, which is minus one point for an interception, he could be a starter in those type leagues.
0: Oh, I completely agree. I'm expecting a lot for Patrick Mahomes this year, despite those growing pains. And speaking of second-year quarterbacks, there is also a lot of excitement around Mitchell Trubisky. And the Bears have, in my opinion, created the best possible ecosystem for him to take a sizable step forward this season and thrive in the long run. How high are you on Mitchell Trubisky this year compared to the long term? And is he a viable fantasy asset in a redraft format, a keeper format, or both?
1: I'm very, very, very excited to see the evolution of Trubisky this year because he he showed flashes last year of what he could become. There are obviously, as you know, this is a bear's fair, David. There's still some development work that has to be done with him. He needs to get faster with his reads. He needs to get faster with his decisions. That said, this is a copycat league. And so many owners, front offices, looked around, saw what was happening in L.A. They saw... Goff from year one to year two under Sean McVay. And they said, look, that's what we need. We need a young offensive-minded head coach to get in to help Mitchell Trubisky or our young quarterback. And that's what Chicago did. You know, bring it in, you know, a guy like Matt Nagy. And then obviously you bring it, you know, Mark Helfrich in from Oregon who's done some up-tempo type stuff, some spread stuff, some RPO type stuff. And so he's in a great sort of incubator to sort of develop similar to what we saw with golf and similar to what we saw with, you know, Carson Wentz from year one to year two. So I think definitely if you're sort of in a keeper type league, get your hands on Mitchell Trubisky because that's going to pay off down the road. And in, you know, two QB formats, things like that, I think he's perfect in a redraft league. And, you know, if you're looking at production wise, you know, his ADP is very low right now because people aren't sold on it. But I'm telling you, I'm here to tell you that the scheme is going to help him. He's going to be putting up numbers. I think he's, you know, a a QB2 type guy in deeper leagues. And if you're at a keeper league, definitely get your hands on him because, you know, year three, I think for him is going to be gangbusters.
0: Oh, absolutely. And plus, uh, people cannot ignore that his new head coach, Matt Nagy, was Pat Mahomes' offensive coordinator last year, and he played a vital role in getting Pat Mahomes ready to play at this point.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a great point, David. And, you know, that sort of gets us to, you know, the underrated, you know, as scheme aspect that you've got to keep in mind, particularly when you're looking at, you know, quarterbacks and wide receivers to a certain extent, you know, you've got to remember, like, what are these guys going to be asked to do? And, you know, you look at what Nagy did with Mahomes and what he did to a certain second with Smith last year, let's not forget what Andy Reid took took himself out of the play calling duties and turned it over to Nike for a bit last year, that Chiefs offense got back on track and they started putting up numbers and they did some really creative stuff. So you're going to see similarly some really creative stuff. The Bears have some nice pieces. You know, obviously we were just, I was just reading today before we came on that it looks like, you know, Howard's going to be getting some third down carries, but... You know, they're going to use Tariq Cohen. They brought in Anthony Miller, who just gets open. That's all he does is get open. They're going to do some, some fun stuff in the passing game. It might not pay off huge dividends this year from a fantasy perspective with Trubisky, where you'd want to have him as a starter. He's more, you know, QB2 or, you know, in Superflex or two QB leagues. He's more of a viable option, but definitely in those keeper formats, if you could get your hands on him, keep him, don't trade him. He's going to be a huge asset, I'd say, in, you know, year three of his career, U2 under Nagy.
0: Oh I completely agree and let's move on to this year's rookie quarterbacks and obviously you and I were very excited when we talked about uh, quarterbacks in this past year's NFL draft and now that they've all found a home let's talk about their potential fantasy value going forward and based on team scheme fit and coaching which rookie quarterback would you be most willing to draft in a dynasty or keeper league? You know, I it's
1: crazy. I I still would go with Josh Rosen as the guy first overall. He was my QB1. I think he's going to be the safest lo- sort of long-term bet. But I can make a more of a case right now for Josh Allen than I thought I'd be able to make, you know, say a month ago, 2 months ago, David. And I think we're, we're starting to see with Allen and I still have reservations about him. I still have my hes- my hesitations with him. He still needs to do some stuff from a developmental standpoint. He looks at every play like he can throw the fastball and that will save him when some throws you can't. Like he had that swing route ag- against the Browns where he just like drilled it into the receiver's backside at 95 miles an hour. It's like you got to take a little bit off. You got to use touch on some of these throws, Josh. That being said, Two of his traits, one which we sort of expected to translate, one which we were a little unsure of, have really comported him well to the NFL level. His arm is unparalleled. I mean the arm is as advertised. And we saw that down at Mobile, David. The ball just flies out of his hands differently. And even though Baker was thrown next to him, and Baker has a high velocity, high RPM, you know, cannon of an arm too, Allen's it's just a completely different level. So there's that that has bailed him out of some situations. It has enabled him to make some throws that other quarterbacks aren't able to make the athleticism though. David, we knew he was athletic. We knew he could move around a bit, but I've been surprised at seeing him outrun NFL players to the edges and not just, you know, the threes and the fours and the guys are going to be selling insurance in a week. You know, we're talking some of the twos guys, you know, guys that are going to be playing in the NFL, maybe more special teams guys. The fact that Allen's outrun of these guys to the edge, that he's shown that mobility in the pocket. I'm much more cautiously optimistic. Let me say about Josh Allen than I was a couple of months ago. I think Lamar, If you can sort of get a hand on him on a a, a keeper league, you know, I think he'll pay off eventually. It might not be in year two. You might have to really wait, you know, if you're in a long-term dynasty type situation. You know, Donald and Mayfield, I think Mayfield is going to be a year or two away. It does look like Tyrod, Tyrod, however we're pronouncing his name, is going to be the guy at least this year – and Darnold, I think, with the Bridgewater emergence, you might be waiting to see him get on the field. But Rosen is going to play, I think, earlier than people expect. And Allen might be a week one starter. And I'm you know, cautiously optimistic about where he is right now.
0: Oh, I completely agree with you about Josh Allen. And as skeptical as I remain about his long-term future in the NFL, there is nobody I'm rooting for to prove me wrong more than Josh Allen. I got to ask him a question at the Senior Bowl. Very nice, very humble guy. He's a hard-working uh, farm boy from Fresno, California. He uh, is going to do all he can to exceed our wildest expectations
1: yeah and you know a a lot of people say that oh you know people want josh allen to fail to like justify their takes look i would love that kid to be an nfl quarterback i mean you know i had my reservations about him and i talked to you about them when we were on before the draft and it was more from the it was more from the fact that he was getting such hype you know two years ago you know people were looking at him and you know not last year's draft but the draft before it as a potential top five draft pick it's hard to play into that kind of hype or play up to that kind of level and so i think he was sort of done a disservice by the draft industrial complex in a way because if he had just got gone the Carson Wentz route where nobody really heard about him then he shows up at the senior bowl after a, 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 an okay senior year even though he battled an injury and started to perform there and people got to see him up close and then really bought in then. I think people would have been more rooting for him than perhaps they are now when he was put at such a level going in that people were like, wait a second. Can't have this guy where he is. Look at, look at the tape. Look at everything he's doing on the field. So I think he was done a little bit of a disservice. I, I'm with you, David. I would love to see that kid pan out. I think it would be great for him. I think it would be great for the NFL. And it would be great for the city of Buffalo to have their quarterback You know that they haven't really had since, say, Jim Kelly.
0: He is Mark Schofield, ladies and gentlemen, quarterback guru extraordinaire. Arguably nobody outside the NFL knows more about quarterbacks than Mark Schofield. Catch his work at InsideThePylon.com, Pro Football Weekly, The Score, Matt Wallman, RSP, and many other places. Mark, it is such a pleasure having you on the program to talk about quarterbacks, whether it be in the real draft or your fancy drafts or anywhere in between. But before you go here, I want to play my favorite game, and it's called Buy or Sell. And in this game, I'm going to say the name of a quarterback that we haven't played. Uh, named yet, and likely quarterback that you could get super, super late in your fantasy draft, starting with Jared Goff. Buy or sell? Buy. Uh, why do you buy Jared Goff this year? Do you think he improves after last year, especially I, given the addition of Cooks?
1: I think the addition of Cooks, I think the fact that, look, Sean McVay has still shown that he's an offensive mind. He's going to do those spacing things. He's going to really attack defenses. I think now, Beyond the sort of schematic leap, we're going to see the actual trait type leap where Goff is going to be comfortable. He's going to have another full year into this system. The addition of Cooks is huge. So, yeah, I'm buying him. Um,
0: another potential positive touchdown regression candidate, Derek Carr by herself. I'm buying Derek Carr, and I think you know. I, I was on another show
1: earlier today talking about Derek Carr, and I think when you sort of look at John Gruden and how you know, not just the play calls, not just the route designs and things like that, Gruden is great from a play caller perspective in terms of setting a defense up for plays down the line you know showing a defense a couple of things in the first quarter to set up something that he wants to call in the third quarter or later in the game maybe showing you one look and then hitting you with a deep shot over the top of that and so I think because of that influence I think because of Gruden's mastermind ability a sequential play caller Carr is going to have a solid
0: year better than people expect. How about Jameis Winston? I know he's suspended for the first three games of the season, but the Bucs are going to be playing from behind a lot, and they have a lot of weapons around him, so... He could be a sneaky buy in the later rounds, by himself.
1: Yeah, I I, I think he could be a sneaky buy, let's put it that way, because obviously you do have the suspension, so you're going to be without him for the first four weeks. This doesn't look to be a talented enough defense. They might be in a lot of shootouts, and so they're going to be putting up points, tons of weapons on that team. Mike Evans hard to overlook. The emergence of O.J. Howard, they still have Cameron Braid, and so I think this is going to be a team that's going to be throwing a ton, and so you might get a lot of garbage-type points from a Jameis Winston.
0: Oh, you most certainly will. And how about Alex Smith? Uh, he was obviously not surrounded by the same supportive cast as he was in Kansas City, but Washington's weapons aren't that bad, and Jay Gruden knows how to scheme. Buy or sell? <sighs> I,
1: I waver on this. I'm going to go sell just for the simple reason that when you look at how Cousins was sort of not, wasn't really helped by his receivers last year, you lose Darius Geis. Had Geis been there, I think this would have been the perfect sort of offense for Alex Smith because they could do so much from you know outside zone and stuff like that, stretch type plays, and then come back with boot action off of it, which I think is Jay Gruden. That was his vision for this team because Smith is still an athletic quarterback, throws still well on the move, but I think the loss of Geis question marks about guys like Jordan Reed and how whether he can stay healthy, Dawson and Crowder and they've kind of let guys down before. I I, it's hard because I want to say buy here, but I'm gonna sell there.
0: And let's go on to my other favorite team, the Denver Broncos. And if you're looking for a backup quarterback that you could insert on any week given the schedule they have against past defenses based on last year's stats, seventh best according to Warren Sharp, Case Keenum, buy or sell is a late round backup investment.
1: I would buy Case Keenum at sort of that late round backup investment because I think this is a situation, strangely enough, where we saw, you know, Cousins going to Minnesota and then Keenum leaving Minnesota to come to Denver. I think both Denver and Minnesota actually improved their quarterback positions, you know, from a year prior because, you know, I think, you know, Denver was – kind of lost at the quarterback position. Paxton Lynch doesn't seem to have turned out. And, you know, Lynch was seems to be in danger of losing that number two spot to Chad Kelly. And so they needed to lock down the quarterback position. I think they got a solid guy in case Keenum, you know, Unless the rumblings that we're hearing are true, Demaryius Thomas is going to be there. Emmanuel Sanders is going to be there. I think Deshaun Hamilton and Cortland Sutton, two great additions at the wider receiver spot. You know, both of those guys, I think, can play in the National Football League. Well, I wouldn't be surprised to see Hamilton, in particular, contribute early and often. So he's going to have some weapons as well. You know, They get Jake Butt back from injury. So I think this is an offense that, like you said, they're going up against some interesting defenses. You know, as far as sort of a late-round backup type guy, Keenum is a good value.
0: Yes, and if this guy's weapons return, uh, he could be a sneaky buy as well. Um, however, he pronounce his name, but I will do it the Browns way. Tarod Taylor, by yourself. I will buy Tarod or
1: Tyrod Taylor because of a couple of things. I think, like you said, the weapons. David Njoku, I think, is just fantastic. I mean, he is an emergent athlete, emergent talent at the tight end position. Who knows how things are going to shake out with Josh Gordon, Antonio Galloway, but both of those guys bring a nice element to that team if they're on the field. I think Jarvis Landry, he's going to catch three hundred passes or something ridiculous, you know, because he's always catching passes. And so, yeah, I I think you know he could be a nice little buy for you in later rounds as well.
0: And last but not least, if their offensive line plus their top two draft picks from last year take a big step forward, he could be a steal. Andy Dalton, buy or sell?
1: Ah, uh, I. He could be a steal, but I'm going to sell Andy Dalton. I mean, I I, I can understand why people might want to take a flyer on him in late rounds. And, you know, he does have A.J. Green. You know, if John Ross takes that leap, if Tyler Boyd, you know, continues his emergence, there will be some weapons there. But, you know, I'm just very hesitant to go in on Andy Dalton because from a trait-based perspective, from a decision-maker perspective, there are still some things he does as a quarterback that leave me wanting more, that leave me questioning him. So I'm going to sell Andy Dalton.
0: Mark Schofield, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to know anything about quarterbacks, follow him on Twitter at Mark Schofield and catch his work at Pro Football Weekly, his main home inside thepylon.com, Matt Wallman, RSP, The Score, and a whole lot more. Mark Schofield, it's always a pleasure having you on the program. Good luck to you in fantasy this year, and we hope to have you back on the program in the very near future.
1: David, a blast to be with you again, my friend. Looking forward to this fantasy season. Looking forward to getting this season underway. Keep crushing on the podcast, and I can't wait to see you again down on Mobile.
0: Can't wait to see you again either, Mark, and that's it for today here on Sports Crunch, but we'll be back with more next week, so stay tuned. Meanwhile, be sure to check out the episode archive as well as my blog at sportscrunch.com, and remember, that's Crunch with a K. And if you enjoy these podcast episodes, please consider leaving us an iTunes review and donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sportscrunch so we can improve our iTunes ranking and afford to produce even more shows with awesome first-class guests like Mark Schofield. For Mark Schofield, our producer Chris Broadhead, this is David Cromwell saying so long, and as usual, stay awesome.